You're listening to audio from New Horizon Worship Center, located in Waco, Georgia. If you would like additional resources, please visit us online at www.NewHorizonWorshipCenter.org. If you are turning with me, you can go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians 6 is where I'm going to start. Today I want to talk to you about, and it's kind of going to be a like a piggyback off of something we talked about a couple weeks ago. I'm going to talk to you about living a big life, about not living a baby life. Because I think sometimes we get stuck and we have this tunnel vision and we just live and all we see is ourselves and what's right in front of us and, and we forget how big of a life we can live. And if that what God wants us to be and how God wants us to live. And sometimes we just settle for a small life, a selfish life, a life that's about me and mine and what feels good to me and what I want, what I need, and I don't care about anybody else. That's not how God designed us to live. We're supposed to love God and love people, not just ourselves. I don't believe that any of us are living as big as we could. None of us. I think that every single one of us could live bigger than we are. I got challenged this week, or last week. Me and Jesse both kind of did. Just about like, not that anything that we're doing is bad, but could it be more? Could it be bigger? Are we called to more? Are we called to do something big? And you know, as I've put a lot of thought and prayer into that and, and just feeling God prompt my spirit and stretch me and push me, and I feel like, yeah, I could live bigger than I am. I feel like every one of us could. If, if you're living as big as you possibly could and living the absolute 100%, the biggest, best life that God has for you, then awesome. Congratulations. You probably should write a book something i'll buy a copy i'll help you get that thing published but i'm pretty sure we could all live a little bit bigger do a little bit better than we are let's read second corinthians 6 1 and uh in the message message version and then we won't talk about it companions as we are in this work with you we beg you guys i'm begging you Please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life God has given us. God reminds us, I heard your call in the nick of time. The day you needed me, I was there to help. Well, now is the right time to listen. Well, when's the right time? One day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen. Well, one day I'm going to hear God's voice and do what he said. One, no, now is the right time to listen. The day to be helped. Q next scripture. <laughs> Don't put it off. Don't frustrate God's work by showing up late. That's a word for some of y'all. Back to the scripture. <laughs> Don't frustrate God's work by showing up late. Wait, where are we at? Throwing a question mark over everything we're doing. Why y'all doing that? Why the church want? Why y'all? Verse 4, 
Our work as God's servants gets validated or not in the details. Wait a minute. Our work as God's servants gets validated or not in the details. Think about that. In the details, in the steps. Now, when we talk about how Joshua and the children of Israel fought the battle at Jericho and they walked around and around and around that wall and then they shouted, and I've heard great powerful messages on the shout. Shout like you already won. Let's shout and see God's victory. And we want to shout and it's exciting to talk about the shout, but without the steps, the shout wouldn't have worked. If they didn't take those boring steps over and over of obedience... The shout wouldn't have worked. It's fun to talk about the shout, but sometimes it's in the details. It's in the steps. It's in the obedience. People are watching us as we stay at our post. Alertly, unswervingly, in hard times, tough times, Bad times. Oh, God. When we're beaten up, jailed, and mobbed. Hallelujah. When we're working hard, we're working late, we're working without eating. Wow. Working without eating, now you've gone too far. Verse 6. With a pure heart and a clear head, and a steady hand. In gentleness, holiness, and honest love. Verse 7. When we're telling the truth, and when God's showing His power. When we're doing our best, setting things right. When we're praised, and when we're blamed, slandered and honored, true to our word, Though distrusted, ignored by the world, but recognized by God, terrifically alive. Man, I want people to say that about me. I want this to be my life. Terrifically alive. Though rumored to be dead, beaten within an inch of our lives, but refusing to die. Immersed in tears, yet always filled with deep joy. Living on handouts, yet enriching many. Having nothing and having it all. Dear, dear Jesse. Dear, dear Nathan. Put your name in there. I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter into this wide open and spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. He's saying there's more. Got verse 12. That's it. 13, I mean. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. 
Paul said, we didn't fence you in. That smallness you feel in your life, that came from within you. Your life is not small. You're just choosing to live it in a small way. We don't want you to live little. He said, God wants you to live this big, wide open and spacious life. God's got plans for you that will change the world. To be a planet shaker and a kingdom, a powerhouse in the kingdom of God. Don't choose to live small. It's in the details. Well, how do we live big? Generosity. We give. We're called to love and to give. To give and to love. Oh Lord, he's trying to get my money here. Get me to commit to something. No. (laughs) When I tell you you should give or you should give your time, your talents, your treasures, when that comes up, it's not for me or for the church. It doesn't. It's for you. It's for your life. It's not. I mean, to be honest with you, the church is going to make it with or without you. We're going to have ministries and we're going to do kids camp this year with or without your help or without your money or without, like, we're going to keep going with or without you, but it's for you. And we want you to be a part. God wants you to be a part because with you connecting and being a part, it enables you to live this big, wide open life that he's called you to live. So that you can be all that he's called you to be. You know, there's a huge difference in an act of generosity and a life of generosity. It's in the details. Oh, I already give. I even help clean. If everyone gave as much as me, the church would be fine. That attitude causes you to give the bare minimum. That causes you to stay small. I'm not talking about equal amounts of money or time or talent. I'm talking about equal sacrifice. Why? For us. Because love gives. Real love, God's love Agape love, a love that needs nothing in return, a love that you can't earn or you can't buy, for you to give that kind of love and receive that kind of love, it can't be based on works. Love gives whether it gets anything in return or not. Love helps people that could never help them. Love gives. Love always gives. We were on this Trace uh, uh, DS, a Christian retreat, and RJ went. And uh, RJ was there. There's a big circle. And one thing that they do is ask you, hey, turn to the guy next to you and just talk to him for a second and ask him, like, his name, find out if he's got any kids or a wife. You know, ask him. They may give you a question, like, find out what his favorite movie is or 
It's just to let you get to know somebody else in the room is pretty much what it is. Well, they give you a minute to do that, and then they go around the room, and they have you introduce your new buddy next to you. So you're like, hey, my, hey, this is my new friend, and you say his name, and you say where he's from, and whatever you've learned about him in the last, you know, few minutes or whatever. So everybody starts talking, and RJ's standing here, and this guy on this side of him starts talking to that guy over there, and this guy right here talks to that guy over there, and RJ just stands there the whole time while they're learning. So he comes around the circle to tell, like, your buddy, and RJ said, well, no one talked to me. I just talked to myself, so hi, I'm RJ. And he stood there and told a little bit about himself. (laughs) No one even talked to him. The point was to get to know the person next to you. I got a word for somebody. Some of you are living small. You're not worried about the person on either side of you. You got tunnel vision. And you feel like other people do it to you. Well, they turn their shoulder. They they didn't let me in. They didn't let me in relationship with them. They... You got tunnel vision. You're not willing to open up and give to the people that are next to you. And that's not the way God designed it. So don't miss the point. Look at Luke 10, 25. This is a familiar story. Jesus and the disciples are there and Uh, There's a crowd gathered and all this stuff's going on. Jesus is doing miracles and he's preaching and he's speaking and he's telling parables or stories with meaning. And look at Luke 10 verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What can I do to really live? What, what am I missing? What, what can I do to, to live this life? To be happy. And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? So Jesus asked him, answered his question with a question. Well, what does the law say? What does God's word say? And how do you interpret it? What's the, what do you think? How do I really live? Oh, what do you think? Verse 27. And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. This is the lawyer saying this back to Jesus. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. So he's quoting scripture, and then he added on that little part about loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, verse 28 and he said unto him thou hast answered right this do and thou shalt live Jesus said you're right you got it you do that and you're going to really live you're going to experience the abundant life you're going to get all you can out of this life you're going to live a big life do that love God with all your heart soul mind and strength and And love your neighbor as yourself. 
But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Wait, hang on, hang on, Jesus. Wait, okay, I got it. I love the Lord, my love the Lord your God with all heart, soul, mind, and strength. All right, I love God. But who's my neighbor? Like technically, who do I have to love? I used to say love as yourself. Why well, you can't be talking about everybody, so who I mean, who is my neighbor, Jesus? And Jesus answering said. Now, Jesus could have used any example right here. Jesus loved telling stories to get his point across. But, I mean, he could have used anything. Well, there were two oxen, or oxes, or ox, how, yoke. There was a yoke of ox. And uh, one of them was a bad one, and one was a good one, and one was a good neighbor that pulled its share of the, I mean, Jesus could have made up anything. You know, once there was a pumpkin farmer. It's the right time of the year for that. Once there was a pumpkin farmer and there was a big patch of pumpkins and you're like a pumpkin hooked to the vine. And you got cut off from your life source. Right? And Jesus could have made that work. You were in the hands of the farmer, and he started to carve on you, and it hurt real bad, and you didn't know there was a purpose, and then he cleaned out all the goo and the nasty stuff out of the inside of you because you got connected to the church, and then as he was cutting away, you thought he was hurting you, but he was putting a smile on your face and giving you an identity, and then he put a light inside of you to shine to the rest of the world. Jesus could have used a dumb pumpkin, right? I can. <laughs> Me and Sky thought that up on the way home from school. <laughs> Jesus could have used any example to get the point across. Who's your neighbor? Or Jesus could have just said to him, everybody's your neighbor. Or the Samaritans are your neighbor. But look what Jesus said. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. He was half dead, exactly. If he got scared half to death after that. Verse 31, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. Oh, thank God. Here comes a priest, a man of God. He will help. He's going to make it right. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He went to the other side of the road and walked right on past. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and he looked on him. The Levite came over and looked at him. All right, finally, here's some help. Here's somebody that's going to save him. The man's half dead. He got beat up and robbed. Looked on him. And he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan. Now, when Jesus was telling this story, as soon as he said a certain Samaritan to his little crowd of listeners, these Jewish listeners, they would have thought, oh, a priest, yeah. All right, a Levite, yeah. A Samaritan, see, they were very prejudiced. They didn't like Samaritans. They thought of the Samaritans as half-breeds. 
because they were part Jews and part they were they were like a they thought of them as a lower class citizen. The Jews were prejudiced towards the Samaritans. So right off the bat, when he said a Samaritan, they would have thought, "Oh, Samaritan." How you may think of certain people groups. A Samaritan? (laughs) We'll see what he does. As he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. You remember what compassion is. It's sympathy with action. It's not just feeling bad about something. It's actually taking some action to do something about it. And I can see a little kid that's going hungry, and I can feel real bad about it, and I can pray that God will do something about it, but compassion says that I get food and give it to that child. That's compassion. Sympathy is only good if it motivates you to action. Sympathy in and of itself, you just feel bad, then whoopee. I feel like I should do the right thing. Well, if you don't ever do it, what does it matter? You have to show it. So he had compassion on him. And he went to him and he bound up his wounds. Wait, he went down in the ditch where this man was. He didn't know who he was. He didn't know... If he was bloody and beaten and bruised, and what if the thieves were still around just waiting on somebody to go down in that ditch, and then they could have robbed him or beat him up, and it's not safe, and he shouldn't have gone there to minister to that man because he didn't even know him, and that man was probably making bad decisions to get himself beat up and thrown in that ditch, and you know he should be in relationship with somebody that would help him. And we got all different ways that we can talk ourselves out. Of loving our neighbor as ourself, of helping somebody that's in the ditch, of figuring out reasons why they're in that ditch and why that. No questions were asked. He went into the ditch. He went to him and he bound his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and he set him on his own beast. And he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and he gave them to the host. And he said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Not only did he get him out of the ditch and bind up his wounds and he put him on his own donkey and he led him to the holiday inn or to the inn. Then he gave him some money at the end to take care of this guy so he could stay there while he healed up. And then he even took it a step further and said, you know what, I'm leaving. I got other stuff to do. But any more of a bill that he runs up, I'll be back and I'll pay for that too. He said, I so want this stranger to feel love and find healing You can put it on my bill. Remember, this is a story that Jesus is telling to describe to us what it looks like to love your neighbor, to describe to us who your neighbor is. 
And I wonder, does my Christianity look like that? Hey, that person, I don't even know who he is. He may never be able to repay me. In fact, I may never see him again. But he's going to feel and see my love. The love of God. The agape love that's in me. And if there's more, if he owes more, put it on my bill. Yeah, I'll give more. I don't even have it to give right now, but God, I'm going to give more. I'll, I'll put more to see them ministered to. To see those people fed. Put it on my bill. Verse 36. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Yep. That's what I want you to do. It was also a picture of what God did for us. But Jesus said, go and do the same. Go out love somebody. Go love people. Not looking for anything in return. Go find people in the ditch and in the gutter and find people that are, you don't have to look very far. Almost everybody's hurting in some way or another. Everybody needs some kind of help or some kind of love. Go try to outlove. Who's my neighbor? And that's the example that Jesus gave. Until you get it out, no statement is made. You can love God and love people all you want to in your heart and in your mind. But until you do something, there's no statement made. Nobody sees that. You got to get it out. You ever, this, maybe this has happened to some, some of you. There have been times that I've seen my wife and thought, wow, she looks great. I love that outfit. Or her makeup looks wonderful and not said anything. Right? I just kept it in here. But I thought it, man, she's beautiful. I'm lucky to have her as a wife, but said nothing. So then later that night, well, I guess you don't like this outfit. Didn't say anything about it. Do I not look pretty? I'm not saying this has happened with us. I'm saying this may have happened with some of you. Okay. Well, then, even if I really thought it, like I really was thinking that earlier that day, and then I say, yeah, yeah, I meant to tell you. I think that you look great in that. It's too late. Now I had to ask for it. But I, I promise I was thinking that. But it all stayed right here. And so no statement was made because I didn't say it. Hmm. 
We can't keep it inside. It's got to come out. Love demands action. Love demands action. You can't say, I love you, I love you, I love you, and never take action and never say it and never do anything about it. Then I question whether it's real love. Love demands action. Did you know you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving? It's impossible. Say that again. You can give without loving. I give to Carol EMC every month, and I do not love them at all. And I give to them every month. Why? Because I want power in my house. So you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Tell me something you love, and show me that you don't give to it. I question whether you love it or not. I can look at your bank statements and tell you what you love. Some of y'all love McDonald's. Right. Some of you love shopping and some of you love unique, but <laughs> you don't love without giving. You love something, you give to it. You're going to give your money to it, your time to it, your talents to it, your children, whatever. If you love You give, for God so loved the world that he gave the most valuable thing he had. Love is a choice, not a feeling. The feeling goes away. That feeling of butterflies, and we've talked about that before, it it only lasts for six months, between six to 18 months, and then it goes away, and then it becomes a choice. So when you're standing there at your wedding and you're saying, you know, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, till death do us part, that's all easy right there. And that, and that time when you're feeling the butterflies and the feelings say, I'm in love. And for six months or a year, and ah, it's easy, right? Till death do us part. But then... Now, after some time wears off and you start looking for loopholes, and he rolls over after a long night's sleep. Hey, girl. And his breath smells like death. About to do us part. Right? We look for, we look for little loopholes. Why don't y'all get divorced? Religious reasons. Religious reasons. Yeah, she worshiped money and I ran out. <laughs> Love makes a statement. Okay? <laughs> I'm trying to get back to my notes if I can find my place. <laughs> Love makes a statement. So I want to live big. I'm tired of living small. I don't want to live with tunnel vision. I don't want to do just a little bit of what God has for me to do. I want it all. I want to live big. I want to love God and people. I see a lot of people in my life, and there's a lot of people in my life that love and give to God, 
And they're not too good at loving and giving to people. And I see some other people in my life that are good at loving and giving to people, and they're not too good at loving God. And either way is off. It's supposed to be both. And if I love God, I give to God. And, and if I love people, I give to people. My money, my, my time, my talents, my, my prayers, everything that God's given to me. That's how we get bigger. I want to live big. I, I want to inherit eternal life, how he worded it. How? We've got to love God. We've got to love people. Love gives. Look at Proverbs 11. Proverbs eleven twenty four. I love how the Message Bible words, words this one. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. I wish I had more influence. Well, I wish I had more time to help somebody. I wish I had more money because then I'd give or I'd help somebody out or I'd whatever. You fill in the blank. Are you making a sacrifice to live a generous life? Because the reality is, if you don't give now, you wouldn't give if you had a lot. If you don't give any of your time now, you wouldn't give if you had all the time in the world. If you don't make a sacrifice now to help somebody, you won't in the future. Your life will get bigger and bigger if you stretch it. Like a muscle. One day I'm going to do a thousand push-ups. Well, how many did you do today? I mean, it's the same thing. You got to stretch. You got to sacrifice. Look at Deuteronomy 15.10 and we're going to wrap it up. Deuteronomy 15. 10. Give freely and spontaneously. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God. You're God's blessing in everything you do. All your work and ventures. There are always going to be poor and needy people among you, so I command you. Well, this is a command. Always be generous. Open purse and hands. Give to your neighbors in trouble, your poor and hurting neighbors. Give to them. So, as Christians, are we more like professors or are we more like EMTs? Because when we look at the life of Jesus... And what he's called us to do, and we look at that story today, he's saying, you're supposed to be like an EMT. No matter what the call, you, you run in and you help. You stop the bleeding. You run in and you assess the situation and say, what can I do to help? How can I show love? How can I heal this person? What can I, how can I help? That's supposed to be our attitude. 
But more times than not, we want to act like college professors and give a lecture of why you shouldn't be down there in the ditch and why this happened and that happened. And so are we more known for our love or for our lectures? Because Jesus said, this is how they'll know that you're my disciples is by your love for one another. That's how they're going to know is by your love, not by your lectures. Not by your judgment. It's by your love for each other. That's how they'll know, man, there's something different about them. They keep on loving. They keep running back in the ditch and pulling people out. And they didn't even have all the money. And he said, hey, put it on my bill. I want to see that person whole. I want to see that person healed. Well, who is that person? I don't even know. But I love them as if they were me. That's what we're called to do. I love them as if they were my son. That's what we're called to do. That's the people we're called to be. I don't care. I want to see them whole. I want to see them healed. I want to see them walk in freedom. The EMT doesn't ask questions. How'd you get down here? They just help. Did you know that someone can't do everything, but everyone can do something? Every one of us. We can all do something. We can all do our part. Bruce was telling this story. Pastor Bruce was telling a story Thursday night about this guy that they tried to help. And they've tried to help him a lot. And he battled with addiction. And he kept going back to his addiction. And he would walk in freedom for a while. And he would go back. And he was homeless and in and out of jail. And they just loved him. They give him a Bible and they talk to him about God and they give him food and they let him get a shower and they just kept loving him. His name was Jake and and Jake would come back around and uh, I don't know I don't remember all the details to the story but he would go back and forth and they loved him and they gave him a place to feel at home and he kept going back he kept going back to his addiction and he'd come back and Bruce would say well Jake you need somewhere to sleep and they had this old broken down Ford pickup truck that was just parked on the property. Bruce owned it, but it it was broke down, so it never drove. It was just there. And he said, you know what? I'd really love to have a place that I could just lay down and rest from time to time. Would it be okay if I slept in the back seat of that truck? Bruce said, yeah. You sleep in the back seat of that truck anytime you need to. So he'd come and he'd sleep in the back of the truck. And then he'd disappear for a while and he'd come and sleep in the back of the truck and they'd talk to him and they'd see him again. And one day Steve came to Bruce and he said, Hey, Bruce, uh, there's somebody asleep in the back of your truck and the doors are all locked. And he said, Bruce said, Oh, that's Jake. And he said, No, it's not Jake. This guy's bigger than Jake. It's a big old fella. And Bruce went out there and looked and he looked in the back of the truck and it, it was Jake. But he had passed away in the back of the truck a few days 
earlier, nobody had noticed him, and so it was Jake. And the firemen came, and they they pulled him out of the truck, and they had to break the window because he had the doors locked down, and they didn't have the keys. And, and they pulled him out, and they reached into his pockets, and they found a little a New Testament Bible that Bruce had given him. And he had John 3.16 circled, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And he never really got it right in our eyes. He kept going back to his addiction and he kept messing up and he kept, and he ended up dying. But he came back there. He kept coming back. He had a place he could go. And even if he didn't have it all together, he felt like they would still love him. Even if he didn't have it right, and he knew maybe he could never get it right, but he he knew that if he went back there, they'd love him. And eventually, he went there to die. He went there that night, and he laid down, and he died. Bruce said a lot of people would say to him, not a waste of time. You wasted your time on that one. Should you keep loving somebody that never offers you anything in return? Should you keep going and helping and giving and offering your love, offering your trust, offering your hope, offering your finances, offering your food for somebody that keeps messing up, they keep getting it wrong. He knows better now. Is it a waste of time? Should you help or love people that can't or won't help themselves? That seems reckless. Hmm. It sounds like Jesus. Our job is to give reckless love. Because that's what was given to us. To give reckless hope. Reckless trust makes no sense. Why do you keep loving them? Go after the one. That's what was done for us. He found us. And it's real easy to put it off on, well, I I think the church should help them. I think hope the church should do something about that or but we are the church. You are the church. I love it when people come to me and have these great ideas of ministries and help that we need to do or we need to feed them or we need to you know whatever. I think yeah, you're right. You do. We're the church. You hear the call. Don't be like a priest or the Levite that that sees somebody in need or sees somebody hurting and then goes on to your synagogue, goes on to your church service and forgets about the people that are in the ditch. Forgets about the people that are losing the fight. 
the ones that are hurting worse than you are right now. And don't become so far removed and so hard that you forget you were in the ditch too. You were, we've all sinned. Every one of us, all, the Bible tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory. Every single one of us have messed up. We've all sinned. I may piggyback on this message next week about some self-righteousness. But don't get there. That's the furthest we can get from Jesus and His attitude and what we're called to be as Christians. Let's pray. God, soften our hearts. God, remind us who we're supposed to be. Forgive us for being a bad representation of you sometimes. Forgive us for not acting and looking like you. God, I don't want to give a love that's conditional, a man-made love that's based on works. I want to give the love that you gave me. I want to give that to other people. Freely I've received. God, help me to freely give. To give reckless love and reckless hope and reckless trust. I want to live a big life. God, help me to be generous with who I am. God, we love you. Thanks for giving us a place in your family. Thank you for calling us by name, for calling us out. God, help us to out love. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.